listen to Brian Terry. Hey, Free Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? Number's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right. We sure wish you would. We're here live and in person. Of course, we had a couple of recorded shows. We were away at the SEMA show. And, and that was great. I mean, well, that I is a once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> event. It was wonderful. Yeah, that is unbelievably large. A lot of people have no concept how big a show that is. Right. It runs for five days. Yeah, and takes up the entire Las Vegas Convention Center and the entire Sands Convention Center. Right which is two very 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 large <laughs> you would not believe if you walk in the door and you look to your left and you look to your right and then you look in front of you and you can't see a wall no i mean it's just booths and displays and nothing but car stuff that's it <laughs> car heaven that's right car guys are in heaven that's right it there, boy and of course we got to see a lot of new technology like to hear about a lot of new things the electric parking brakes that are coming out on some of the car, new model cars and right electric stabilizer bars where they can actually adjust to the road surface and that sort of thing and a lot of the newer technologies and things and such as that and of course some new tooling and all sure we were also looking at the tire pressure monitor tools the new ones coming out will do a lot more things than the old ones that are leaving the, the industry have done that's right it ought to make it a whole lot easier to diagnose and repair and in fact it may make it less expensive for the customer in many many cases to right. have those pesky tire monitoring lights come on which yeah. come on constantly <laughs> i'm telling you it's something about a light on the dash yeah I, I gotta get it turned out those cars are all getting six seven eight nine ten years old now and that's about the life of the batteries that came with the little transmitters so right the batteries are failing and well and the bad part about it is they don't all fail at one time there's four on all cars that have them and some actually have five which right. actually monitors the spare well the batteries don't all die at the same time right. so one week you may have one die you get it changed Two weeks, three weeks, a month later, later, another one dies. You're back doing it again. Mm -hmm. These new tools coming out now, you can actually check the sensors. It tells you the tire pressure, the tire temperature, the battery life remaining in the battery, which is something we haven't hardly been able to do lately. Yeah, they didn't make that information available initially when they built the system, but now they've actually come out with a way to check that. So you can tell how much life you have remaining, so you can kind of give the customer a heads up. Right. I was actually in the Toyota diagnostic scan tool the other day, Mm -hmm. and it gives battery life, but it just gives a percentage. It just said over. Yeah. It didn't say over what? It didn't over minimum, over half. It just said over. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is a lot. Some of it's actually better than, than what the scan tools, the factory stuff is putting out right now. Right. And that ought to help have those in place. I guess they said they're coming out. With January, that, February? Yeah, right after the ter- first of the year. Right. Uh, the newer stuff is coming out. A lot of it will allow you to clone the old sensors. You can actually take a new sensor and just take the old sensor, hang it on tool. It'll clone it, and then you can burn it to the new sensor. Correct. So you don't have to stock four or five hundred different sensors to have coverage right they uh, actually have three sensors that cover 94 percent of the manufacturers out right now right which is going to lower the price considerably because you can buy these three universal sensors and then clone them to the oem sensor right which instead of having to pay 100 150 dollars for a sensor you can get one for 40 or 50 dollars correct plus they're more likely to have it in stock so you're in and out a lot faster and i know gm started out with the bolt-in sensor mm-hmm. and then they changed over to the pull-in like a valve stem sensor and what happens is you can't get the screw-in sensors anymore so if you have to change one you got an odd valve stem on your That's car right. well the new stuff coming out has the bolt-in and has the pull-in right so it looks so you like can the match correct you can match what's on the vehicle mm-hmm. now you don't have a mismatch on the valve stems some people it doesn't bother some people it does you know yeah. it's just customer preference that's right and i think that anytime 
American ingenuity is allowed to do what it does best, what it will do is it will go out and figure out a better and cheaper way to do things, which sure. is what's happened. And that's great. Yeah, it's probably the way things should be. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that being said, that was just one of the things that we saw. We purchased a electronic microscope uh-huh. while we were there, which allows us to look at a circuit board and actually display the board on a PC monitor, PC monitor, right. blow it up 400 power or whatever. And that helps quite a bit finding problems, things uh-huh. like that. Also, you can actually take a picture of it and email it to the customer right. if they want to see it. Let's say you got a print circuit board with a little cracked solder joint in it. You can put it there, blow it up 400 power. Well, it looks just huge. You can actually watch yourself soldering it. So it makes the job a whole lot easier and a whole lot better, a whole yeah, lot more effective. That was a real neat display that the gentleman had set up there. He had a, a pocket watch, had mm-hmm. to back off of right. it. And you could see it sitting there, and you could see something was moving Little in things it. moving, yeah. Right, but when he took that microscope and he pulled the, the zoom in on it, one of those little bitty gears that probably wasn't as big as a pencil top was... Looked like somebody looked was like sugar side, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was huge. But it, it was a real impressive display he had set up. That's right. So we purchased that, and we've got that in place. And a couple of other things as well. Uh-huh. Talk more about all that later on in the show. But okay. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour travel my way take the highway that's the best and that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave hey it's the ask alphonse show with me alphonse the know-it-all cajun caller what you want to know alphonse my old truck needs some repairs or should i buy a new one to save money well let me get out my calculator here let's say a new truck costs about thirty-five thousand dollars plus thirty-five hundred or so in taxes then higher insurance and you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about 15000 That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, I've never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And right now is a perfect time to get a live and personal answer to that. That's right. We had a whole lot of people who emailed, oh, well, I couldn't go. Well, okay, yeah, but now we're you here. can. <laughs> this is your chance. Go ahead and take it. That's, That's right. it. We're going to go to the phone lines with Herb. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. I called you about three weeks ago up Honda Ridgeline okay, with popping coming back yeah, from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I remember. The Honda place never could find anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking, sometimes I hit a whoop-de-doop or a little bridge or something other, you know, rough spot, and got to wonder, maybe it, could it be water? But it hasn't popped since, because I hadn't been on the interstate much. Yeah, but I, yeah. I started putting about eight gallons of gas in there, pretty yeah. heavy to about a half a can. Well, be real careful with that, Herb. You don't want to dump too much of that in there. That's not a silver bullet. So yeah. It's basically ethanol. And you already got ethanol in your gas, so you add more yeah. ethanol to it. So that is really not something you want to just start dumping in. Okay. If you suspect that, that's relatively easy to check. I think you could probably break your fuel line loose at the injector, and it's going to be a little screen, and it's going to have some moisture there. There should be an access port on the fuel line that you can mm-hmm. tap into, like a Schrader valve. Mm-hmm. with a pressure gauge and the pressure gauge usually has a dump on right. it and you can dump off that pressure gauge instead of taking the lines loose right you could do that that's a much easier way to do it and if you put it in a vial 
where you can let it sit. Yeah. You can the water will actually separate from the fuel. And you'll be able to see it in what, a couple hours? Yeah, something like that. You ought to right. be able to tell it's in there. And of course, worst case scenario, you can drop the tank out and check it that way or and clean it out. But that is a possibility. I mean, it seems like it would show up more than just when you're hitting a bump, though. But, I mean, anything well, is possible. And it was just occasionally. And it's just thinking back, it seemed like I was, it was something besides just smooth cruising going on, either accelerating yeah. or backing off or making it where it would slosh around a little bit or something. Yeah, well, I'd probably pull a fuel sample. That's relatively easy to do. And you're under warranty. They ought to do that for you at no charge. Just tell them you'd like to check the fuel and make sure it's no water in or anything. And, of course, if you have water in the tank, they're not going to cover that under warranty because that's considered in within the customer's domain yeah. there. I, I left it down there three days and argued with them and this, that, and the other. But I never, they said, well, we can't duplicate right. the conditions, you know. Right, yeah. If they can't get to do it and there's no code stored, there's really not a whole lot they can do. They can't just start, start taking the vehicle apart. Honda's not going to pay them to do that. Well, I told them about what you said about the cam timing, and that didn't right. They didn't seem to say nothing one way or the other about that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, if there's no code stored, chances are it's not going to have too much to do with that because it, it would normally throw a, a fault code if that were the case. Mm-hmm. But I would probably have them pull a fuel sample and just check it and see. And, I mean, worst case scenario, it's not that big a deal to drop the tank out of that vehicle. Okay. And just check that. All righty. Well, All I right. just wanted to run it by you. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Okay. All righty. Thanks, sir. Thanks, sir. Right. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And cold, cold weather here this morning, of course. Guess we, if, yeah, well, we consider cold. Well, there's folks up north laughing at it. <laughs> you know, 35, 40 degrees, we consider this cold, cold weather. Exactly. And I think it actually dipped down into the was the high 20s. 30 was the lowest I heard. Could have mm-hmm. been 29, 30. Yeah, so right, right, right in there. below freezing. So it did get fairly cold for our region of the country and right. of course it's getting brutally cold in all the other regions of the oh, country. I know. so this is a time when you want to start thinking about things and one of the things that i always kind of pushed in fact i got an article on the website this morning about that and it's called winterizing your car okay and that's something that people tend to start thinking about this time of year right but after it's already gotten cold yeah in actuality that's something you need to be thinking about every day of the year don't wait until it gets real cold to try to get your car ready. Right. If you maintain the car properly year-round. For instance, we have customers that come to us once a year for an annual inspection. Uh-huh. And I have had some of those who called this week and says, well, you know, is my car ready? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because we checked it back in the summer, and one of the things we checked was the freeze point on your antifreeze. Cool. cool. And you're protected at 20 below zero. So you don't have to worry about it because right. you're prepared. And that's just a whole lot better way in other words, changing your battery before it, it goes, goes out. When it's three years old, change it instead of waiting for the first cold day and now it won't start. Right. Because then uh, you're into a tow bill plus the price of a battery plus the labor to put the battery maybe in. Maybe getting stranded somewhere. Right. Waiting and see. You know, I wonder if I got enough antifreeze in the car at 10 o'clock at night <laughs> when you find Well, it's kind of late to do anything about it Exactly. Now. So the key is to keep the car ready, and that way you don't have to worry so much when the when brutal conditions happen. actually happen. Correct. Let's go to our phone lines. Clark, good morning, Clark. Hey, good morning. Hey. Good morning. Yeah, I got a question for you. I've got a 2011 Altima. Okay. When I took the tires in to get them rotated and balanced, mm-hmm. one of the wheels that I have, they're aluminum wheels. Yes, one sir. of the wheels I have on the back is not round. Yeah, bent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bent. Maybe it's flat for about three, four inches. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. And the dealer was saying they could possibly bend that out and straighten it out. And I was wondering if that's really worth it or should I just 
chalk up and buy a new wheel. Well, Clark, sure. some of those wheels are extremely expensive. Now, wheel aluminum wheel can cost four hundred dollars in some cases. If they know what they're doing, it can be straightened. We do that work at Agco. We used to straighten wheels. We don't do it anymore. But one time, we used to straighten thousands of wheels. And, Brian, you could tell him basically. I've seen what happens when somebody that doesn't know what they're doing tries to straighten a wheel. They used to take a hammer to it. And yep. if they halfway get it back around, it, just, it usually cracks on them. Because aluminum has to be heated so it will actually, the molecules will actually stretch instead of snap. And there's a variety of tools and presses that we use, a little heat here and there, knowing where to put it. And depending on how bad it's bent, a lot of them can actually be straightened back out with relative, I lost the word I'm yeah, looking for. Yeah, relative ease. I mean, yeah. and there are people around who still do that. We don't do it at ACO any longer just because we got so busy doing other things. But there are people who still straighten wheels. I would check around, see who you can find who could do a good job. I don't think I'd let the dealership hammer it out with a hammer because no, they'll probably not. They will end up ruining it or making it worse. Well, I'm not sure. They're, they've got somebody that comes in and does it for them. Well, but if that's that the case, be. yeah, if that's the case, then probably wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I'm, just find out what kind of warranty they'll give you on it i've seen a, a mobile guy riding around baton rouge with a trailer that says reconditioned wheels or yeah, something to may that very effect. well be so yeah, it can be possible. straightened if you know what you're doing you can definitely straighten it it's generally a pretty large but, savings over a new wheel well as far as the cost of the wheel i've, I've done some research on it i can get it for about a Two, a little over $200. Yes, we end straight from them. So that's why I was looking, wondering, you know, if they charged me 140 or something versus 200 That seems a little high. I mean, yeah. normally it's going to be under $100 to straighten the wheel unless it's just real bad. If you get close to the price of a new wheel, yeah, obviously you're better off just getting a new wheel. Okay, but you guys, you said you guys actually do that too? No, we don't we any longer. To. We did that for years and years and years. We just got so busy doing other things, I just don't have time to do them anymore. So where would be a place where I could find somebody to do that? You just have to go on the internet and find someone. There are people around. I know that. Right. Just type in like aluminum wheel repair and then the zip code behind it. Uh And you'll probably come up with a couple people here in town to do it. Okay. All righty. All right. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, man. Uh All right. right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive aisle, we would absolutely love to have you. And we got Johnny online. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning. Good morning. I have a 2006 Insanity. When you put it in drive, it hesitates for a few minutes. Well, not a few minutes, about 20 seconds. Okay. And then it catches and, and goes. What could be that? That's called delayed engagement. And what causes that is that the seals inside the transmission are probably starting to get hard. That's going to be much more pronounced when it's cold out. Once okay. it warms up, the seal is going to get a little more pliable and a little soft and it may not do it now if the transmission has not been serviced recently i would definitely start with a transmission proper transmission service drop the pan drop the filter retark the valve body bolts and put fresh fluid in it right not a flush not a flush a flush will not help at all sometimes that will help sometimes it'll almost cure it sometimes it just won't do anything because it's just too little too late but okay. new fluid does have conditioner in it, and it will do everything that you can do. The other fix beyond that is going to be rebuild the transmission. Now, the important thing is when you back out and you put it in drive, let it catch by itself. Do yeah. not accelerate it. If you let, right, it right. let it do its thing, and that way when it does catch, you'll be able to go ahead and use the unit until you can get it something done right if you sit there and race that motor and try to make it slip you can tear the transmission up real fast what's happening is everything inside it's slipping then when it's not engaged Mm -hmm. and like lewis said you'll end up tearing it up a whole lot sooner than you would have if you took care of it you could take and do a pressure test on it and make sure that is a 
see, there are some other things that can cause that, like a failed pressure control solenoid or something like that. But most of the time, it's the seals are getting hard, and it's probably just hadn't been serviced. I would try servicing it. Maybe too little, too late, but it's not going to hurt anything. It doesn't cost a whole lot. That's the only cheap thing you're going to be able to do. Okay. Now, when she's driving the car, it has killed on her when she's just straightly driving it down the road. Mm-hmm. It kills on her. Yeah. She puts the flashers on, and she has to try to crank it two or three times. She right. two or three times before it right. starts. Right. How often does it occur? Let's say within 60 miles three times. Yeah, that's going to be very hard to find, Johnny. I mean, there's I could name so many things that could cause that, and you would run out of money before you run out of guesses. It's going to have oh. to get a lot more It's going to have to get consistent where a shop can bring it in and put instrumentation, and it dies while they got instrumentation, I right. tell you. I mean, okay. one of the most common things is a crankshaft position sensor or a camshaft sensor. Those are two very common things. If that's the case, they ought to set a code. I would have it scanned. If there's a code in memory, then you kind of know where to start looking. Beyond okay. that, it's going to have to get a little more consistent because if you bring it to the shop, they're not going to be able to drive it 60 miles to see if it happens. Right, and if you can't duplicate it, they're just not going to be able to tell you what's called. I mean, I could name probably 100 things that can cause that problem. All right, well, the car has 206,000 miles. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You think it might be time, just about time to get rid of it? Well, I don't know. It just depends, man. I mean, you're ready for a new car, certainly. Well, but, I mean, you could fix this, but fix everything on it for less than the sales tax on a new car. Yeah, but she spends $3,000 a year on the thing. That's nothing. I mean, how much yeah, a new car? A car note. <laughs> a car note. Yeah. Yeah. Insurance. A, no, a new Infinity is fifty grand, man. Right. Yeah, Plus no, the we're insurance. Not yeah, we're not buying another Infinity. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. But a new anything is thirty thousand. Right. So, I mean, if you're tired of the car, you want a new car, go buy a new car. You don't need any yeah, reason to do it. But, I mean, you could fix that and cheaper, and you can get another one for sure. Okay. All right, then. Well, thanks a lot. All right, man. All right, sir. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Fire, we'd love to have you. And we've got Dave's been patiently holding. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, guys. I have a 2003 Toyota 4Runner V6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 176,000 miles. And this summer, when I went to get it inspected, a OB2 code popped up. So okay. I took the mechanic and got it fixed. Okay. Shortly after that, the... Warning light for the ABS system and the brake. The light came on, and okay. that really annoying beep. beep mm, came yes, on. Mm-hmm. It would sometimes it would go for fifteen seconds, and it cut out. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it would go for twenty minutes and stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I took it in my mechanic, and he checked everything out. Everything's fine. There's no leak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it ain't everything fine. The warning light right. wouldn't be going on. He well, may not have the instrumentation to find the problem, but that's going to be a fault. In either the trash control or the ABS system, you just got to find somebody else who can check it for you. If the light's coming on, it is a fault in there. It's not everything fine. They don't just come okay. on. Okay. Okay. So, you may not have the wherewithal to find it. Okay. Some of so, that's pretty difficult to find, but you're going to need to go in. You start out with a Toyota scan tool, scanning, and that will give you more data than a generic scan tool will. You may not be able to get into the chassis module with a generic scan tool, so that may be why you can't see it. You have to do pressure tests. I mean, you just have to go in and see what it is. There's any number of things that can cause that. One of the more common failures is a part called the yaw sensor. Those go out quite a bit. I know we change them a lot. And sometimes you don't even have to change them. They're just out of calibration. You have to recalibrate it. But, again, it's just like check engine light. There's hundreds and hundreds of things that can cause it. You just have to go in and find what's wrong, do some testing, and then you can correct it. 
You call that a what? A y'all sensor? Spell that. Well, it's a Y-A-W, y'all sensor. That is one possibility of about 100. Right. Dave, I'll absolutely guarantee you're going to run out of money before you run out of guesses. And you still may not have to be checked by somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, you still may not stumble across it. It could be a wiring problem. That's right. Somewhere underneath the dash. Any one of hundreds and hundreds of things that will cause that. The the key is getting it checked by someone who knows what they're doing with the proper tool and has the equipment and training to do it. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Okay. Okay, Dave. All go. right. Thank, Thank you, man. You. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we would absolutely love to have you. And we've got Randy's been patiently holding. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. How you doing, Lou? Doing great, sir. So I have a 1994 Land Cruiser. Okay. And the brake lights stay on even okay. when the ignition is off. Okay. The only way you can get it off is pull the fuse out. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering what kind of remedy do you have? Well, the most common thing, of course, would be a failed brake light switch. Randy, the switch, the brake lights work whether the key's on or off because they're powered through the battery. In other words, you have to have brake lights whether your engine's running or not. So if the uh-huh. switch has failed internally and is putting power to the lights, it's going to stay on all the time. Also, there is a little button, button. On, the ha- on the pedal that comes. When the pedal comes to the switch, sometimes there's a little rubber cushion on there that hits that button and pushes it off. Those can deteriorate and fall, and when it does, it leaves a hole in the pedal, and the plunger from the switch just goes through the hole. So uh-huh. you might want to look up there and see. I'm not sure if a Land Cruiser's got that set up or not. A lot of the Jap cars do. But look in there and see if you can see the brake light switch and see if it's got that little rubber button hitting it. And if not, just change that little rubber button. That's real, real easy and real inexpensive and also pretty yeah. common. They, probably the easiest thing to do is just reach up in there and close the switch with your finger right. and see if the lights go out. If you can well, I, didn't see, I, I didn't see a switch on it, switch. Uh, on the pedal. Yeah, it's up it, there it somewhere. May, it's probably mounted across member for the steering column. Oh, okay. That's probably where the switch is mounted, and then it just plunges to the brake light. That's right. the brake pedal, I'm sorry. Now, there's a handful of them that actually have a switch on the master cylinder that sense brake pressure, but I don't think that one is going to be that way. I'm pretty right. sure that was going to have one on the pedal. And mm-hmm. I would check and see if that little button, rubber button is in there, if it uses that system. If not, then I would suspect the switch. If it's not any of that, then more likely you got a short somewhere in the system and it's just putting power on that lead when it shouldn't. Do you have any kind of trailer hookup on it, anything on it, Randy? Any kind of what? Trailer wiring, a trailer hookup? No, no, no. It just out of the blue started doing this. Yeah, you don't, do you have a trailer hookup on the vehicle, though? Oh, yes, yes. Okay, we'll, we'll start looking at all that, too, because a lot of times what will happen, those wires, when they were put in originally, weren't put in exactly right, something shorted, and all that controls your brake lights. all tied into the brake light circuit. So if okay. it's not the switch and it's not that button, I would start looking at the trailer wiring, and what I would probably do is just disconnect it all and see if it goes away first. Because okay. almost every time you got a wiring problem, it's going to be somewhere where somebody's added something into the system, like a trailer wiring. I see. But if I took it into you, it wouldn't be too expensive? Not to very hard. No, no. That would take very little time to find. Okay. I think I'm going to just take it into you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we could find that for you in short order. And, and okay. most likely, the repair wouldn't be too bad either. Right. All right. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks for man. Yes, sir. Thank Appreciate you. it, man. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We got to take another quick little break. Joanne, hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. 
Caller, which you want to know? Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Booyah! Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. This is Jonas, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Fuel Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291 6901. And you can get right straight to us. We're live and in person in the studio today. Be glad to get you an answer to any questions you might have. That's it. Just give us a call. That's it. And that's what Joanne did. Good morning, Joanne. Thanks for holding. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, ma'am. Should I be worried about my car freezing up? Well, Joanne, when's the last time you had your coolant changed in it? Oh. Or had it checked? I don't really remember. About a year or two ago. Yeah, if it's yeah. been that long, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have it checked. Yeah, that's really easy to check. There's a little device we use, specific gravity measuring device and you just suck up a little bit of cooler and it tells you what the specific gravity is which relates to the freeze point you can do the same thing with a refractometer but that will tell you now most coolant as long as it's not totally depleted is going to be real good in south louisiana we generally run about a 50 50 mix which is going to take you well below zero you're not going to have a problem here but if it hadn't been done recently, if the car hadn't been checked and you hadn't had the coolant changed recently, that is a real, real, real simple test. Most people would probably do it for you for free, but I would have it at least checked to make sure. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. If you bring a car in about once a year for a general inspection, like at Agco, we check all those things for you. So when it gets cold, it doesn't become a problem for you. You know already in advance that that's not going to be a trouble for you. Okay great so i'll just take it in and yes, i can find out and they just what change the well if it if the specific gravity is too low then it means the coolant is depleted then we go ahead and replace the coolant in the okay. car which is not a big deal they just drain it out and put new coolant with distilled water not a big deal at all it, it, it'd be a easy easy fix easy check Thank you so All much. Right. Thank you, ma'am. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive aisle, we would absolutely love to have you. And you know, while we're on the subject of coolant, mm -hmm. like we were saying earlier, this is a great time to go ahead and get it checked, get it serviced. Should have been done back when it was convenient, but now it's kind of a pinch. You really need to get it done. Right. There are so many different types of coolant between manufacturers, mm -hmm. not to mention across the board. That's right. I know we stock... And we stock two for Toyota, three yeah, for Probably Ford. 20, 25 different coolants. Right. And changing coolant is one of those things that, if it's done right, it's great. Uh -huh. It protects the car. It keeps it from having corrosion. It keeps it from freezing. It helps to keep it from overheating. But if the job is done improperly, it is actually worse than not doing it at all. Exactly. And that is true of any kind of maintenance out there. It really doesn't matter what the person doing the job's intent is. It's what his skill level and his technical expertise is. Because you could go in, drain out good HOT coolant from a car, 
put city water with a universal green coolant and do more harm than if you left it alone in the first place. Right. Those so, those systems are engineered. When the engineer builds the car, mm-hmm. he engineers this type of coolant to go in it to protect it. That's right. And just because some Joe Blow at Guy's Garage says that this will work in everything, yeah. don't believe it. No, that happens a lot. We get cars in where the cooling system is so just totally corroded that the car is hardly worth fixing. And the owner is just shocked because I've had good maintenance. I had this thing done every right. da 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 da. Yeah, but it was done improperly. That's and the they caused more trouble. I mean, it created more problems than they actually solved. Uh-huh. And just because a guy has a shingle and is offering auto repair does not mean he knows what he's doing. Exactly. And the same thing goes if you do the job yourself. I am a big advocate of folks doing whatever work they can themselves. But by all means, go out and get the knowledge before you attempt this because cars have changed so radically in the last 10 years. You might have been a real jam-up mechanic 20 years ago. Right. That doesn't today's, mean you know what's going on today. Right. Today's technology is way over your head. Yeah, you will get in so much trouble and cause so many problems with your car. You can basically almost total the car just by changing the coolant improperly. Sure, because you're going to start out eating heat, of course, because that's usually the thinnest part of the coolant right. system. Well, you're going to eat a heater core, and a lot of vehicles, you actually have to take the entire dash out to take the heater box out to get to the core. Well, and what happens is they go in thinking they're going to, okay, I'm going to change my own coolant. Uh-huh. Well, they put city water, they put the green coolant there, which it doesn't take. It takes an HOT coolant, so now it's not protecting from corrosion properly. Like you said, the heater core starts to leak. Well, they go get it checked. They find out how big a job it is. Oh, my God, I can't afford that. So they start dumping water in it, which is the absolute worst possible thing you can do because now you're diluting the already insufficient coolant further. Right, so you're killing the corrosion protection with the water. It absolutely eats the car away. It eats up the intake manifold, maybe eats up the cylinder heads, eats up the radiator, radiator, and clogs up the engine block. By the Uh time you finally decide, hey, this thing has overheated and blown a head gasket, the the car's totaled. (laughs) Yeah, it needs everything. I mean, this thing needs... $10,000 $10,000 worth of work to go another 100 feet. Yep. And it all started with a well-meaning guy who was going to change his own coolant. And did an improper job. That's right. Or he took it to a shop who did an improper job. Exactly. Because there is not a day of the week that does not go by that someone doesn't come in and we're doing other work and you look and they got the wrong coolant in it. Right. And I mean, you can tell by the color normally. And this takes Dexcool, which is orange. It's got green coolant in it. Or it takes Toyota Red or Toyota Pink and it's, it's got, got green, green or it's it. got something else in there. Mm-hmm. And you know, most coolant, well, in fact, all coolant virtually is either going to be ethylene glycol or propylene glycol. That's the two main base chemicals. Right. That is the freeze side of the system. However, the corrosion side of the system is very, very, very varied and depends on how that vehicle was constructed. When they took the green stuff out, it's because they were getting rid of the phosphates and the silicates, which were eating up the seals on the new water pumps uh-huh. because they went from a ceramic seal to a urethane seal on the water pump. You dump the wrong coolant, first thing, your water pump starts leaking. Right. So you so, change the water pump. Or you start adding water to it, which waters the coolant <laughs> down. Now you can eat up the heater core. And on and on and on you go. It's just like a super highway to nowhere. Right. And that's just one little tiny thing. But you can get so, so far wrong. And it's generally well-meaning people. It's either a shop who's just behind the times. They hadn't kept up. Uh-huh. Or it's someone who worked on cars 20 years ago and thinks he understands everything about them. Today. And all I say is... If you want to do it, that's great. Just go to my website. I've got about 10 articles on there on nothing but changing coolant. Very, very comprehensive coolant articles. It tells you how they work, why they work, 
how to do them. And basically, the only thing you have to do is put it back the way they built it. Correct. Because the engineers already sat down and figured out exactly what goes in, how it should be done. So if you do it according to factory specifications, you're not going to have any problem. Right. You it won't can go be wrong. done. That's the way we do it at Agco. Sure. But that's also, if you call around and try to find the cheapest guy in town well, you're probably to change get, a coolant. You're probably going to get the cheapest job you can get. Well, he doesn't know what, what he's doing. That's why some of the factory coolants may cost $40 a gallon. Oh, yeah. Now, if Easy. he's using $6 a gallon non-OEM coolant, he's going to be cheaper than the guy using $40 a gallon doing OEM right. coolant. If the guy's using distilled water, if he is actually draining the engine block, if he is doing the entire job properly bleeding the system when he's through is going to cost more money but it's going to cost so much less money in the long run that it's not even going to be fun it's going to be no comparison exactly let's go to our phone lines we've got howard online good morning howard good morning question regarding the quality of an engine remaining it's in a 1998 gmc uh three quarter ton Mm -hmm. it has a 350 engine in it and it one of the it was one of the last ones i think that they produced before fuel injection now the question i have is well I was it's driving 98 is a injected engine howard pardon 98 has fuel injection no 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 it does not well, 98 it, is a fuel injected if, engine if it doesn't somebody's well, changed it yeah well no no it was bought, inject- uh, i hate to take issue with you but it was bought from the factory and when the guy bought it he bought it because it did not have fuel well, injection there's no vehicle that gm well, built 98 they, that they, has, they quit have building carburetors in 88 or 89 yes sir well anyway whatever it has it has some kind it doesn't whatever, whatever it has it has some kind of problem with it but this is the question i was driving the truck for him and as i would go to an idle stop for a pickup mm-hmm. and go to an idle stop and pick up mm-hmm. we were picking up bales of hay in the field you mm-hmm. follow me yes sir. and by the way i had the transmission in first mm-hmm. the engine oil pressure would go down to about like 20 pounds and okay. then when you you know you'd go to the next stop it would go up to 40 mm-hmm. i was questioning is that engine going to come apart or well, 20 pounds is adequate no. to run the engine i mean 10, idle. 10, when it's idling. Yeah, yeah 10 pounds per thousand rpm is adequate so at a thousand rpm 10 pounds is adequate because uh okay because it that's okay if it's down to 20 when it's idling. yes oh yeah mm-hmm. okay because that bothered me it's not in my truck and mm-hmm. i really i don't think anything has ever been done to it and it's uh you know it's uh well yeah i'm not saying it doesn't have problems with the truck but i mean no, no, 20 no, PSI saying, is adequate at an idle on a Chevrolet well, V8 engine, yes, sir. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's been doing fine, and the truck is not young, you know, but it's uh, it's been taken care yeah. of. No, so. no, it, it'll come down, when, it, especially if the temperature's rather warm outside. The oil's uh-huh. going to thin out. The viscosity is going to get well, thinner. And if it hadn't been changed recently, it's going to be much worse. No, no, it's, it's truck has been maintained. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's uh, adequate. But, because you know how, if you farm boy, you know how picking up bales of hay and feed yes, in mm-hmm. the field? Yeah, it was just probably, war- it was probably hot, and it just just thinned out and i mean that's okay it's not i mean i would i would prefer to see a little more than that but 20 pounds is way more than adequate well okay the engine should stay together then. yes sir mm-hmm. okay well thank you very all right, much sir. all right 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive i would love to have you and we've got dave online good morning dave good morning hey look i got a 98 from talon car with yes, a 4.6 in it uh-huh and it first started up in the morning, it kind of pops like, it idles kind of a little like, and then after a while, it, it shoots out. Dave, almost always on something like that, it's going to be a vacuum leak somewhere in the engine, and... It could be something like one of the hoses leaking. I know on that particular engine, there's a big fitting on the back side of the throttle body, I think with a PCV valve inlet goes or something, and those are bad about collapsing and getting a leak. 
could be uh-huh. the intake manifold itself leaking, but most of the time when they're leaning out when they're cold, what's happening is you got a vacuum leak. Now, the reason that it gets better when it gets warmed up is because when you hit 180 degrees, it goes to closed loop, and the oxygen sensors come online, and they say, hey, it's too lean, so it just starts dumping extra fuel, which covers up the vacuum leak. So that's why it smooths out once it warms up. But Uh almost always, that's going to be some form of a vacuum leak. And the way we find that at the shop is we have a machine called a smoke detector that we can hook onto it. We can actually fill the intake with smoke and see where the smoke's coming out. So it makes it kind of easy to find. By hand, all you can do is a good inspection. Just look and look and look and see if you can find it. But Uh I would almost bet you either got a hose that's busted or off or maybe the intake's leaking or you got a gasket blown out or something like that. Somewhere there's some vacuum leaking in that's not being metered. That's not the only thing it can cause it but that's by far the most common thing if it goes away when it warms up. Right. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. Have a good day. All righty. All right, we're going to take one last little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about $2,500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about $1,200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh? Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tune Tools, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Still got a few minutes. Go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901. That'll get you right straight to us, and we'll get you an answer. That's it, and should you happen to think of something after we go off the air or maybe next week at midnight. That's right. You can always go to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is take the acronyms Aldersand's Garage Company. That's right. That will get you to our site, and on each and every page, there is a contact bar. You just click on that, fill out the form, and send it in. It couldn't be any easier. That's right. Go ahead and send us an email. That way we'll get you some advice and try to point you in the right direction, at least. If nothing else, I can tell you where you can look to get more information. Correct. And we get a ton of email from folks who they're doing things themselves, Uh and they are smart enough to refer to someone before they go and do something wrong. And got an email today about a gentleman, I think, from Florida. Yeah, Mike. Here we go. Mike from Florida. He's driving a Mercury Sable. And he has was asking a question about the type of coolant that actually went into his car. Right. Because Ford at that time had two different coolants. Right. And he was asking about the green versus the VC7B. Right. Which is the yellow coolant. Yellow or gold. Mm-hmm. Right. 
and he wanted to know if yeah. they were compatible. Yeah, the car actually calls for gold when someone had put the green in. So what he needs to do is go in, try to get the block plugs out if he can, and See, that will drain the engine block and the radiator and all the system out. Now, if that's impossible for whatever reason, the next best thing you can do is to go in, drain out what you can get out, fill it with the VC7B and distilled water, run it about a week, and come back and do the job again. Right. And that's going to get the vast majority of it out. You're not going to get 100%. Well, you, the only way to get 100% is to take the engine out, take it apart, and dump it all out. That's it. You, even if you take the block plugs, you're not getting 100% yeah, get of the coolant. You're getting a lot. You're getting enough of it. Because right. if you restore the corrosion protection back to the OAT coolant, which is what it was supposed to have, then you've actually done what you Correct. set out to accomplish. And I would probably come back maybe in two years after and that do and do it a third time. Right, with the correct coolant, correct right. uh, water mixture. Normally, you can go about three years on it. But because this has been diluted with the wrong coolant at one point, mm-hmm. I would be a little bit more... A lot of manufacturers will actually give you a block plug. You can actually unscrew and mm-hmm. drain the blocks on. Some do, some don't. It just depends on the manufacturer. I've seen them with both. Some of them, they give you a plug to take out, and it's buried behind a motor mount. Right. You can't get to it. Well, more and more and more, they're getting away from those sorts of things just because they add costs, and they really don't make it any easier for them. Right. It does make it easier for the owner down the road, but... I know that's mo- really not the most of your Toyotas have a drain plug on the back of the block. It's yep. actually a real nice little setup. It's got a block plug mm-hmm. and it's got a little port where you can put a hose on it. You mm-hmm. just back the plug out and the coolant comes running out and you can right. drain it wherever you want. And I think they maybe look at service a little bit more on some cars than others. The move in modern manufacturing is oh. towards fast assembly and getting it out and so it's kind of like i was talking to a gentleman who was in earlier this week and he was talking about replacing all the heater hoses on his car i said Uh well let me explain to you it's not like the old days we had a piece of bulk hose with two clamps on it now you've got a molded hose with a quick connect and the reason they do that is because click click they can put them on and send this car out sure now that hose assembly might be two or three hundred dollars yeah and that's, that's not their issue there their issue is fast and easy to be assembled right it's gonna make it fast and easy for them to assemble but it's gonna be obscenely expensive for you to go and replace all these hoses correct it might cost you a thousand dollars to replace all these hoses well and then the hoses you're getting are not the same quality as the hoses that are on the car from the manufacturer either. that's right so really you want to leave those on as long as you can as long as they're good functioning and not causing a problem just leave them alone because right. the cost of replacing them is going to be astronomical pretty well on up there <laughs> we're gonna go back to phone lines with patrick good morning patrick Hey, I got kind of a, a weird question. I read in the news about this cop that shot the guy, and it's because his car lurched forward and back and forward, and they think maybe he lost control of the car. Is that possible? I mean, for someone to lose control where the car goes forward and back, I just don't see how that's possible. No, I don't mm-hmm. see any way either, Patrick. I mean, you would have to manually shift it back and forth in gears. It could be on an incline or something, and you could be trying to accelerate up and letting off. It could be rolling back and right, going like forward. Right, like you used to do with a standard transmission. Yeah, you might have some situation like that. Let's say the engine was dying or stumbling down and not going up and rolling back. I could see something like that, but I can't think of anything that could allow a car to actually shift. No, because you have a manual valve that has to move for that to occur. That's not controlled electronically. So there's nothing that would really cause it to go from forward to reverse or any of that kind of stuff. Without the driver doing it. Yeah. I'm right. kind of curious. Pretty much a driver error, I would think. <laughs> okay, okay. I was just curious. Thank All right, you. Patrick. Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901. We still have a few minutes left. It's kind of like the old stories about well the car took off and ran away with me. Uh-huh. And again, with electronic throttle control, that is a four times redundant system it's got four sensors that have to agree with each other 
the odds of that happening are just basically nil. Right. I mean, that really, I've heard the stories and all, but in every case I've ever seen that was taken to court, it's Nothing been proven. proven yeah, yeah, it's proven that no, that didn't happen. It right. Was, the guy was either behind on his pavement and looking to get rid of the car, <laughs> or, or he had his foot on the uh-huh. gas and thought he had it on the brake or something like that. Cars are pretty well engineered, and obviously there are a lot of glitches that get through and things that get by, but they generally catch them pretty fast. Well, there's a lot of big brother on the, on cars today. I mean, they can go back and they can take a, a snapshot of what was occurring at the time right? and tell you what was happening. Right, and that's the way they debunk so much of this throttle control stuff because when you are applying throttle, those sensors are reading and sure. it's recording that. When you're applying brake, it's, it's recording. recording that. It's recording as and, long as the car is running, it's making a recording. Yeah, if I see the snapshot and I've got 50% throttle application and zero brake application, then you Guess didn't what? have your foot on the brake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know you thought you did, but right. <laughs> let's see if we can catch another call real quick. Right. we got Tony online. Good morning, Tony. Yeah, look, we was trying to put together a hot rod with a 318 Chrysler engine in uh-huh. it, but we had an electric fan. We put it all back together and it cranks up like a sewing machine, but... If it sits there, it starts overheating. Yeah, that it will. Tony, it's real hard to get those electric fans to do adequate cooling. If there's a way you could get a real clutch fan on the front of the water pump like it had originally and get a shroud of some yeah. sort, you're going to be so far ahead of the game that it's not even going to be funny. You could probably accomplish the same thing with electric fans and enough big enough radiator and all that, but it's going to be a continuing nightmare for you on down the road. Well, you got to have some way to sense the engine temperature, some way for it to turn the fans on. And then since the temperature again, they'll know when to turn the Plus fans on. Plus, it's got off. to move enough air, and it's got to right. be a high enough quality motor to where it's dependable, which is very, very hard to come by in the aftermarket. So if there is a way that you can go in and get the fan and clutch and shroud back on it, that's going to be by far your easiest thing. If not, with enough effort, yeah, you can get a big enough radiator and you can get a big enough cooling fan. It can be done. Okay. We were narrowing in on it. I really appreciate you coming in, though. All righty. Thanks, thanks, thanks for calling, right, Tony. Sir. Bye-bye. Mm. All right, 291-6901. I think Mike you know, can sneeze another one of you fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's plagued the aftermarket for a while now. Is the aftermarket fans and everything. Yeah, the quality on them is generally pretty low, and the airflow is just really not anywhere close to what it is, that big old 7, 8, 9 blade fan with a clutch. 18, and, 19 inches in yeah, diameter. If you, yeah, any way possible, you can keep the mechanical fan on, in South Louisiana at least. So sure. you live up in Montana somewhere where it doesn't get that, hot i mean you might get by with that but somewhere down here you better leave that mechanical oh, fan most there. definitely hey i'll tell everybody how much i appreciate them listening this morning and every saturday morning on automotive hour I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week and itunes or stitcher and give us the written rating yeah we really appreciate that that's right preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend